0: Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants and how they found their own software success. And now let's get started with the show. Hi everyone, this is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of MixerGene, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their 0-30,000 to MRR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable, full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us, We'll give you the first 30 days, no risk, and we guarantee you being on time and on budget, or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestop.fm. We'll talk about your SaaS MVP project today. Today, I have Chris Deigle, who is a growth architect and strategic advisor with over 20 years' experience in M&A, business development, digital marketing, direct response marketing, and affiliate program development and management. He's known for his consistent success in scaling companies quickly, we're going to talk about his experience in, in increasing the value of your company as you're getting ready to sell it and, and how to scale quickly. How are you today, Chris? Fantastic. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Jordy. Pleasure. Okay, so let's get into maybe just a, a bit about your background. How did, you, how did you get to where you are now? You said 20 years of experience. We obviously don't need to go back that far, but just give sure. a, a quick sort of rundown on your background and what you're doing.
1: I guess always been wired entrepreneurially. Recognized that in the fifth grade when I was arbitraging candy bars from my locker. Yeah. And that kind of uh, opened my eyes to what's possible with creative thought when it came to business. And when I was in my 20s, I was living in St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands running a restaurant and thought I wanted to go to Silicon Valley and learn something about technology. Happened to be okay. in Silicon Valley at a great time
0: with the um,
1: Web 1.0, I guess, run up. Uh, this is sort of like
0: that. Dot-com boom, you're talking about late 90s? Yep. Okay, yep. All right,
1: perfect. So I really opened my eyes to the concept of rapid scale. There was a lot of that happening in the space at the time. And uh, ever since then, I've been a student of the mechanisms of how do you scale companies quickly, make the growth easy, and keep everybody sane in the process. Because I've been in a lot of organizations where uh, rapid growth has resulted in like just extreme chaos. And that's not, nobody wins. In that environment.
0: Right, so, right. It's not conducive to growth, eh? No.
1: Yeah. Uh, you can grow, but you'll fall just
0: as quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, for the past 20
1: years, that's kind of been my focus is refining my, I call it the new way, is my, my methodology. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're finding the new way with scaling companies, but making sure that, that that scale isn't just for the sake of more money. Lao Tzu has a quote. and That quote is, when the cup is full, stop pouring. Well, I help those owners of the companies figure out, how do I know my cup is full? So that's kind of our target when we scale. And um, been able to take many companies from seven figures to nine figures. Uh, most of my experience recently has been working with taking companies from... Uh, seven to eight really quickly or eight to
0: nine within 36 months really okay that's impressive okay so that's great so tell tell me a bit it's it w- like walk me through your typical sort of uh, relationship with a new client let's say you know w- you and i are actually going to speak after this call about taking me on right so sure um just recently hit six figures a month so you know just on the small end of seven figures what would be the first thing that you do to look at my business, like, and, and take me through sort of your methodology?
1: Sure. So, I, my new way, my, my methodology, it's got some elements of a, a operating system for businesses that I like a lot. It's called Entrepreneurial okay. Operating System. Shout yeah. out to um, Gino that,
0: Wickman in the in the gang. Gino in the
1: gang. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I like to do with uh, potential clients is uh, very similar to tracking with what EOS does, and that's. What makes you tick? What are your core values? Why is this important to you? Because I'm much more interested in working with people that I like and that I think I'm going to benefit from not just financially, but also from the relationship, from uh, their perspective on life and that sort of thing. So the first thing we do is figure out what's the core values of your organization? Because that I found it becomes a filter for everything else that we do related to the financial and the fiscal side of the business, when it comes to the hiring, when it comes to what our perception or perspective is uh, with clients and customers, um, how we communicate to each other internally. Uh, So that's kind of like the first filter that I run a company through. And then from there, as I mentioned that quote from Lao Tzu, I I think it's very important, where are we going, right? I know a lot of, if I ask most entrepreneurs, like what's the goal? The answer is more. That's yeah. not a game you can win, right? Like that's, uh, and I'm like, at some point, the the nut is covered, the bills are paid. So the ambition of just acquisition of capital becomes hollow and yeah. plenty of people, that's their pursuit and God bless them, like I go for it. However, as I mentioned earlier, I would much rather be involved in endeavors that uh, have a bit more meaning than just the pursuit of money, the paper chase, Right. right? So once we get that goal figured out, it becomes a, a function of math if, or, mm-hmm. or maths, as they might say in Bermuda or Australia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's really, okay, we want to go here. We're here today. When do we want to get there? Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Let's start working our way backwards. And um, it becomes very formulaic. Uh, there's It's usually a function of traffic, the bandwidth for the leaders of the company, and then mm-hmm. infrastructure. And I mean infrastructure as far as technology, human resources, access to investment capital, whatever those those things might be. And from there, I've just got a, a process where we kind of figure out, if you, uh, I don't know if you're old school or you're uh, an audiophile, you, they've got these um, equalizers. Like, like, yeah,
0: yeah, it. totally. Yeah, right. tweaking the equalizers. That's a good analogy. That's exactly what I do.
1: So I come yeah. into a company and I help the leadership or the owners kind of tweak. Do we want more of this, more of that? And uh, usually what I've found is that most entrepreneurs – They pursue their endeavor with brute force and sheer ignorance. There's no real planning. It's not something that most uh, visionaries, they don't like to plan, I've found. They just want to get in there and roll up sleeves and start grinding it out. That's an okay MO, maybe to Mm -hmm. get things off the ground. But at some point, we need to have more intelligent design into the trajectory of the business than just working 15-hour days and whatever the case might be, so... Yeah. Um, that's my methodology
0: usually okay so how much you, of you of would you can just consider yourself like an eos implementer or are you mostly you just like the sort of framework that eos uses the you know that using the l10 you know the structure i guess the l10 yeah. meetings and all that
1: so i just got off the phone with eos yesterday they're going through some rapid growth and they're franchising their model and they said chris no, no, you can't say you're an EOS implementer unless you are. <laughs> okay, good, okay. So to answer your question, yeah, legally, no, I'm not an EOS implementer. Yeah. However, uh, most of my peers and my clients, uh, they lean on me. I've, I've been doing, I think probably at this point, well over two dozen EOS implementations in entrepreneurial businesses over the past yeah. seven years. Um, okay fascinated with the results that, it, that we're able to get with with operating systems within the business but there's some areas that where EOS and not to disparage Gino or what they've done but there's some areas where consistently I've found that my clients didn't necessarily get 100% of the result that I wanted them to get and some of those might be like process documentation most of my clients are very savvy when it comes to the marketing and the sales processes so there's um, we tend to dive in a little deeper into the marketing strategy than EOS does. So it's a combination of what I do is maybe a combination of some EOS framework. Uh, the guys at digitalmarketer.com have a framework called Scalable OS. And then Vern Harnish with Rockefeller Habits are scaling up. And then just, you know, being in the trenches for 20 years, I've kind of picked up some
0: things there. So it's, it's kind of a, a, a blend of what's worked. A blend of what's working. I yeah. see you wearing a, a war room hat. I know that's sort of Ryan's... Uh Close gang, yeah. and it's like the big mastermind. I know, and there's big guys in there, right? You're talking Yeah. About, but yeah, so I, it must be a great resource. So I'm sure you, you pick up a lot of really useful uh, information from that and then bring it into your business. So... I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure, you get great advice from those guys as well. Yeah. For those for those people that are not familiar with EOS, you know, uh, you know, maybe they're not. Or, can you just quickly just kind of run through like what sure. EOS is and and um, just so that you know we can kind of give premise to the rest of the conversation in case that yeah. comes up.
1: So EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System, and it's a, a operating system for your business. And as I mentioned earlier, most entrepreneurs, like, it's brute is what gets the job done. There's no real finesse to what they're doing. EOS is, or any operating system for your business, but EOS is what we're talking about now, allows you to, gives you a framework within which you can kind of draw back from the, the minutiae or the day-to-day and kind of elevate and look at your business from above and really put strategy to work rather than just tactics and you know uh, energy and momentum. And what it does is it gets you clear on, again, where we're going, why we're going there, who we need. Uh, if you've ever read Good to Great, a lot of the concepts in that book are, are kind of represented in this. But it's how big boys and big girls do business. They don't just get in there and kind of like start swinging. They right. they have a plan. And when you have a plan, yeah. the, whatever your target may be, You get there a lot faster when you've got the plan because what happens is that uh, a friend of mine uh, justin tupper he sold his business to the golf network a few years ago but he gave me this concept of shower time and he said look when i'm working with people i want to have their shower time and what i mean is in those still quiet moments when like they settle to a default of of their mind just like ginning you know Mm -hmm. uh, what are they thinking about in the shower when they're walking the dog when they're at the stop sign i want them thinking about my business right okay. and if you don't have a plan the ability to capture people's shower time is a lot harder but if you've got a plan and here's what i know is that a players have options a players don't really they can do chaos for a little bit but they're going to go someplace where they can see a clear path for success so all All of those things combined result in in the benefit of you having this operating system like eos there's a great book that they've written it's kind of their manifesto it's called traction it's a a high level dive into a lot of their processes and and philosophy and routinely now especially because of the marketing that eos has been doing and the track the the traction they're getting in, in the marketplace i'm running into a lot of businesses that are saying hey either we've been doing it and it's made a huge impact or we're we're reading the books now we want to learn more about it so For those of you who are looking for growth, I can tell you that just uh, the energy will run out, but the plan will sustain the rest of the organization when you as the leader, you have a bad day or you're tired or guess what? You got family, right? Daddy needs to go do
0: something. The plan will be there when you're not. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of why I like EOS. Yeah, I think that's true and as a big proponent of EOS myself, started with reading traction yeah. and from there I'd be like this this is like this is gold to me it really spoke to me it's just like organizing helping organize yeah. your the structure you get an org chart you know like emeth I mean we all know this stuff but it actually got me to do that after I think it was midway reading the book and I created an org chart and dialed it in and yeah. structured it out the way they with it, the way they said and then giving structure to meetings weekly meetings you know yeah. that's a big thing so anyone that's listening huge shout out to traction for that book. yeah for sure yeah. okay great so taking a look at a sort of hypothetical client you you figured out are the clients you turn away says all oh, this i'm sure there is uh, but i mean this guy's you know this the the vision that they have for the company is not aligned with what you know the clients that i want to talk to is that a big thing for you
1: you know man the biggest thing is going to be do i like you and i don't mean yeah. it's not like I'm the arbiter of of whether somebody's good or not, but I, I, um, is there chemistry, but also like, like, am I going to enjoy, if, if there's an emergency, am I going to look at my phone at nine o'clock at night and go, shh, hello? Am I going to be like, Hey buddy, what's up? Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And I want to have that kind of relationship with my clients. And and honestly, most of the time, if I'm like, I was just speaking at an Mm -hmm. event in Orlando called financial marketing summits. It's uh-huh. uh, kind of the space I'm in, and I found myself introducing most of my clients as, "Hey, I want you to meet my friend so and so," because mm-hmm. the fiduciary side of the relationship becomes secondary to a mutual respect for intellect, intellectual ability, passion for like high vibrational kind of like higher, higher. Not not to get woo woo, but I'm looking for people that have gone past the pursuit of just the money, and they're like, mm-hmm. now what? I got turned on to that concept from, I'm on the uh, the board of advisors for a group called the Medici Society, and the, the ideal participant there is somebody with a minimum net worth of $50 million, mm-hmm. and it's more of like a, a mastermind kind of uh, lifestyle organization, mm-hmm. and the the headline for all of their sales and marketing is, now what? Yeah. Right? because for those That's
0: who great. yeah, it's, it's, it, it kind of the, says it all. Like they've got, they've yeah. reached their goals. What? Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure some of them are quite young too, and especially yeah. they're like now what?
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm my ideal client is asking that question, and it's not like like in a dangerous place, like oh my gosh, I don't have a plan. But they're always asking, you know, like where is this going? And it's not just um, this pursuit of an ego confirmation of how much money I make or the accolades that I get, but it's, it's uh, I don't know, I'm looking for people with substance, I guess, to work with more, yeah. more than anything. Okay, okay. Um, that makes sense. And then from there, do they have a passion to really push it when it comes to not how much energy can I exert into the business to scale it, but how much design, how much innovation, how much thought... Can I put into the growth of my business? Because I can tell you that if you, I think, it might have been Henry Ford had that quote: "Thinking is hard work. That's why not many people do it." Right. So uh, there's a mentor of mine, Keith Cunningham, and he's very big in this concept of thinking time. Like every day, make sure that you're carving out some time to ask the questions because. Tony Robbins taught me this a long time ago, but the quality of the outcome that you're going to get is really based on the quality of the questions that you're asking. For instance, like, how do you double your business? I'll give you a mm-hmm. secret. You work twice as hard. You just do more of what you're already doing. Yeah. But a better question is, like, if I want to 10x my business, you can't work 10 times harder.
0: That's you have true, to, as yeah.
1: Buckminster Fuller said, you create a new paradigm that yeah. makes the old paradigm obsolete. That's exciting. Yeah. That's what. That's a breakthrough that I facilitate with my clients is What's that new paradigm that allows you to really take it from doubling the business to, oh my gosh, dude, we're going to do 8x, 10x, 15x, 20x, whatever, in you know, a, a time frame that is unreasonable to the rest of the world. Like, that's, right. so, that's what right, I'm
0: looking for. Are you saying, like, so it's for you to do 10x is like 36 months is sort of realistic, would you say, for, your, for most of your clients? Yeah, or do absolutely. you look at a business and say i, I just don't see it or do, i mean can you look at any business provided yeah. they've got some cash flow and they can you could say okay you you basically be a strategy, like a, an advisor that says okay we need to think about 10x you know can could you do that with any business really or are there certain businesses that it's much easier
1: so the easiest businesses if, if you've got the seven figures in revenue that tells me that, that there's market viability the market has confirmed that you have something worth worth selling, and that they're interested in buying. And I know that again, it's a function of going to traffic, infrastructure. Like, do you have the right people in the right seats, and, and that sort of thing? And really, the the marketing and sales process that you're doing. I'm, I'm an expert at that. I know where people are leaving money on the table. So, yeah. if you've got the market confirm the viability uh, from the market that you can do that, yeah, hell yeah. Because here's the thing: I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm gonna, I'm, but I'm going to help you make sure that you're asking the right questions. Because even, Jordy, with your business that you've got now, if you and I never spoke again, if you just asked yourself on a daily basis, when you're surfing, when you're walking the dog, when you're with the kids, whatever, how do I 10X what I'm doing quick? Just by asking that question, the mind is going to pursue an answer, right? In your subconscious, when you're sleeping, when you're actively looking for answers, when you, it's going to be something, and guess what? Maybe you don't come up with the answer to 10X. Maybe you come up with the answer of, Oh shoot, if we did that, if we had that tweak, wow, that would really transform the business. It's just asking those questions forces you to think um, in
0: a different way. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the answer. So, that's how you tax. Can you give some examples like of some businesses where you did that and you some I mean they can you don't have to use names or anything like sure. that, but it's, it's just, you know cuz it's a bit, you know, it's one thing to say I can do this, but what are some examples of of, of and time frames?
1: Yeah. So it's very predictable. Here's what happened. People say, you know, I heard good things or my buddy said that you helped this business or we want to scale, whatever the case might be. And you're going to ask, "You're going," I'm going to ask, well, where do you want to go? Like, what, what's the goals with your business? And here's what I can tell you consistently. Even if you're a big thinker, you're not thinking as big, you're not thinking big enough. And I'm, it's no judgment. It's just, I've seen it over and over again. Entrepreneurs are like, well, we want to double the business. And I know that they're capable of doing more, but for whatever reason, we all we all need somebody to say can we go bigger? I guess we could, right? So it starts with that. It starts with finding out where they want to go and then saying, "No, let's go bigger." Right? Just getting yeah. them to, to agree to do it, okay? The second step is going to be really it comes down to okay, getting what that very clear goal is and then start asking, "How do we get there?" Yeah. Right? oh shit, I guess we'd have to we'd have to do this and we'd need this role and we'd need to probably do this and that." So it the the mechanics, the mechanisms are different for every business, but the framework is always the same. Where do you want to go? Okay, you're not thinking big enough. And no entrepreneur likes to hear that because we all see ourselves as, you know, I'm, you know, I'm I'm forging my own way and I'm the tip of the spear and, you know, I'm thinking I'm, I'm better than these people who have a job or who have a, you know, a traditional business. I'm an entrepreneur. So they don't like hearing that. So I find that 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 challenging their bias on what they think is big or a, a sexy goal. Because no entrepreneur wants to go, yeah, I want to make 10% more. Most entrepreneurs are like, I want to shoot, I want to be Elon okay. Musk or whatever yeah. in my industry. Yeah. Let's go to Mars. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's pretty typical. And usually it results in them doing more of what's working, getting clear on what's not. Because I, I guarantee you this, Jordy, for the people listening, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to interject. How do you tell what's working? I mean, so you're like going into finances or is this some – you think that the entrepreneurs know what's working or something because sometimes maybe they don't know or – I have a battery of questions. questions. Yeah,
1: I have a battery of questions that kind of – when we get started, I start asking very specific questions. And what I'm looking for, to borrow Frank Kern's lexicon, it's glaringly obvious opportunities. And I'll give you a perfect example. I used to run business development for the guys at Digital Marketer back when Digital Marketer was getting started. And it was – very entrepreneurial environment, and it was, you know, shooting from the hip. And there used to be this thing where somebody would come up with a great idea, and they'd say, wow. And somebody would say, wait a minute. We tried that before. Let's take a look at the results. And the results were great. And there was this comment that kept going around the office. It worked so well, we never did it again. Right? It was yeah. a joke. But yeah, what, yeah. What, the, what the idea is, and again, to borrow from Frank Kern, most entrepreneurs are looking for scale, 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 scale. And what I do is I come in and I help them stabilize what's working, right? Mm-hmm. Don't let's don't let's don't worry about scale today. Let's stabilize, which means an evaluation of what's working. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you. Let's take a look at the last 12 months. Well, there's going to be some outliers usually, like a really good month or a really yeah. bad month. Yeah. And then, hey, let's take a look at that really good month. What did we do? Oh, well, we ran this promo. Okay, are we still running that promo? No, we tried something else. Yeah, maybe we okay. start with that marketing campaign being more evergreen or something. It's simple things like that that entrepreneurs, because they're the process is stabilize, optimize, expand. Most of them are okay. always focused on expansion and they're not they're not they're not building on a framework or a foundation that allows them to really get leverage.
0: If that makes sense. Okay. So, so that, those so it, are the types it, of things it, we're looking it for. It totally does. So if somebody that's listening and doesn't want to hire you and they want to yeah. go back through their business Where's the first place they can look? They go back through the finances? Is that what you're saying? So they could dig into QuickBooks and zero. Or where's the place that they can look to find that stuff?
1: Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I would do is I would look for um, last 12 months. Did we have some outstanding months? And what made that month outstanding?
0: Okay. Was it
1: something with the, the, that was outside of our control? Like, I don't know, an election cycle or whatever. Usually, it's not. Usually, it's going to be something that the team was doing that resonated. It was a good match of message to market, right? Mm-hmm. So, look for that and then, then figure out how you did that and how can you repeat that. Because if you've done it once before, that means you've already put like the effort into building. Uh, and so, so, what I'm looking for typically, it's not going to be, hey, we got this new great hire or, you know, well, that was a bad month because everybody went on vacation. That's not what I'm... I'm looking for for elements. The biggest levers in most businesses are going to be your marketing and sale, right? Because what a lot of us are doing is we're looking for generating new customers. And then there's churn because we're not paying attention on keeping customers. But here's what I know is that somebody that's already bought from me has a much higher, like like 800% more likely to buy from me than a prospect that sees my marketing that has never bought from me before. So most businesses aren't looking, they're not... Continuing to scratch the itch of their paying customers somebody that's pulled out their credit card That's a vote of confidence. And if you're like, okay, great. We got you now Let me focus on somebody else and let me just kind of like not worry too much about the paying people huge mistake Because those people are looking for they're looking for a a solution and what you're doing what you're offering particularly in SaaS, Do you have different levels? How robust can the software be? Can you align with a? Uh, a vendor or a service that will help maybe a different part of their business than you've already solved with the SaaS um, is that. So, kind of these are high level, but start looking what else. Who is my avatar? Who's buying my stuff? What's a day in their life look like in business in particular, right? Like, what are their biggest challenges? And this is kind of marketing 101. But most most entrepreneurs they don't do it. They think I've got the thing. I'm going to sell the thing, and I'm going to sell more of the thing. But they're not really understanding that now that somebody has bought my thing, I've got the opportunity to sell them a full life cycle of, you know, do I ref- do I have a relationship where, hi, this, this account- accounting firm specializes in uh, the nuance of a software business, right? As a result, let me introduce my paying clients to this accounting firm in exchange for some sort of a revenue share or a fee. Like this goes back to the affiliate stuff that I've done. I've done collectively over the past 20 years probably a quarter of a billion dollars worth of affiliate transactions from thinking that way what else do these right. people need who can i align with i don't need to be an accounting firm i just need to be able to know that all of my clients have to pay taxes who's the best guy and gal that can help them make sure that their their strategy for tax mitigation is the best in this industry they like with you they all need technical help they all need resources to develop right mm-hmm. so can you align with other companies that are selling, like, Xero? I don't know. Or, or somebody that might be some some vendor that has a high affinity in the software business. Can you align with them and say, hey, all your customers could be customers of ours. If they do business with us, if you can let them know that we're here to help them and they end up doing business with us, we will, you know, we'll be a new revenue stream for you guys. And you don't have to do anything, right? You don't have yeah. to go and market you just send a message to your existing customers so that's what most uh,
0: i kind of rambled i guess but that's what most entrepreneurs are are missing it seems like affiliate management since it's your specialty i know a lot of saas companies they sort of overlook it but it seems like that is one of the maybe one of the biggest levers to really be able to 10x your business right i mean talk about like you know you find some huge partner and they've got a list of 500,000 of your, of your perfect customer you know, affiliate. Man, do you find that that's like one of the sort of low-hanging fruit that you that you look into right away? Yeah, and I'll tell you why.
1: It's performance. It's one hundred percent performance. If they send an email or they market on be, on your behalf and nothing happens, you don't pay them anything, right? Yeah. However, that for that individual that has aggregated or, or curated an audience of the eyeballs that you want to get in front of, for them to have that message, it's no big deal. It's very low cost. Low energy for them to say, hey, audience, by the way, Jordy's doing some cool stuff. You might want to check it out. And it doesn't have people think, well, I don't want to, you know, you don't have to cram it down their throat. You do something like this. You say, hey, listen, I thought it would be helpful for my audience to hear this interview that I'm doing with Jordy. And it doesn't have to be a mark like just a thinly veiled marketing attempt. It can be something where you're actually delivering value because your clients may that that audience may not know about, or they may not have thought, "Oh shoot, why am I beating my head against the wall trying to hire developers and keep developers when they always want to go make more money someplace else?" Let me just talk to Jordy's team, right? Like they may not even be thinking that. So it doesn't have to be this you know dirty marketing thing. It can be delivering content that happens to be oh, and by the way jordy's
0: team has bandwidth yeah
1: right yeah simple as that Perfect.
0: yeah Um. but yeah
1: absolutely low hanging fruit for all companies
0: and quick guidelines on sort of revenue commissions to give the affiliates to make it interesting for them like if, I, if, if anyone's listening they want to go out prospecting for yeah. new partners what how do you land those partners
1: so it's pretty simple it's like hey free money right yeah that's kind of that's kind of the theme of the conversation but here would be a strategy that in particular i would focus on Ask yourself, what does it cost me? What's my cost per acquisition? What what does it cost me to acquire a new customer or even a prospect, right? What does it cost me to get somebody to go from Facebook or wherever you're advertising to my landing page where they opt in for either more information via email, white paper, call with my sales team? What does that cost me, okay? I'm going to figure that out. And then I'm going to go to, uh, let's say it might be a trade organization or a big event, an industry event that everybody goes to. They've got a mailing list for everybody that attends that event and everybody that has attended that event. And usually their monetization is the event. It's not renting somebody's list. It's not sending other offers. So I'd go to them and say, hey, listen, how do I get in front of your people? My product is a hundred bucks. And maybe I pay 150 for acquisition because I know that after six months of of, uh, subscription, they're gonna be worth 250. So it's worth me to pay a little bit more than the actual purchase price or the, the month one revenue. Because I know lifetime value, the average uh, stick rate is going to be nine months. The LTV after nine months is nine hundred bucks. I'll pay somebody two hundred bucks today to acquire that customer. Right? Mm-hmm. I'd go to them, and if you if you know your numbers and you're that dialed in, I'd go to them and say, listen, for every hundred dollars sale that you make, that your people, uh, that somebody from your audience does, I'll pay you two hundred. Pay yeah. you two hundred percent of what the. Okay. Go
0: ahead. Well, that's interesting. You see, you don't you don't pay, you don't pay uh, lifetime commissions or anything. You would just pay them an upfront. It says any if ticket I could, that you sell. Okay, okay. If I could, so I'd start. With you. Yeah. Okay.
1: Just because I know that it the math is cleaner too. For these people, they're like, wow. For every time I send somebody to Jordy's team, they're gonna pay me two hundred bucks. What happens is that. LT like like lifetime commissions. I make a lot of money from relationships that I've brokered where five years ago they're still paying me commissions. I prefer that. However, what I'm what I'm suggesting is that, and it's not that it's not a win-win or it's th- that it's deceitful or anything like that. It's just for it's for some part
0: for you. It's for the owner. it's Better deal. It's better deal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, if, if I'm if I'm not savvy or I'm not interested in trying to keep up with accounts payable and accounts receivable and all that type of stuff, that, and what may happen is those people may say, well, wow, that's awesome because that gives me more money today to advertise my marketing summit or my software event or whatever the case might be, right? So it depends on the interests of the, the other party. Some of them may say, I kind of like that revenue stream, and if that's the case, then my next offer would be, Sure. What would make sense for you? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know, right? Like, so I'm not going to say I'm going to give you 50%. I'm going to give you 90%. I'm going to ask them, well, what would it be? What would need to, what would it need to be worth for you guys to be interested? Mm -hmm. And This is just kind of like marketing stuff or or negotiation stuff. And they may say, I don't know, can we get 20%? And you were willing to give 50. Say, hmm, tell you what? Yeah, and if it works out, we'll end up bumping you to 30, right? Like, so let them tell you what works for them. And they may say 90%. But again, well, does 90% work? Well, yeah, Chris. If I've got other products that I'm selling, or I know because I've built other, like an affiliation with other, the accounting reference that I said, and I know most, 30% of my new customers are going to end up being clients of this. They pay me a hundred bucks a month. Yeah, I'll pay you 90% because you know that your monetization isn't exclusively on that front end product that you may have upsells, you may have Cross sells. You may have other affiliate offers that you do that don't necessarily tie into tracking for that, you know, that referral, right? So if you're paying ninety percent on the monthly subscription, but you know, I also have a two thousand dollar consulting package that we do, or we have a, a whatever, and that person, the referrer, the affiliate is not getting any of that. Again, what does it cost you to get a customer? If yeah. it's cheaper, if you can get, if you can, if it's cheaper to pay that higher like really high commission on that first product for lifetime but you know that i mean because here's what happens if that customer churns out you don't have to pay the commission anymore so you never get yourself in a situation to where you're upside down as long as you know your numbers and you've got a an ascension path for uh you know additional or affiliate program that Or affiliate relationships where you're monetizing outside referrals because once that person comes in to your list from that affiliate they're now on your mailing list and you can communicate to them whatever you want you can get political you can get technical you can get whatever you want so once they're in there as long as some some frequency some tempo of messaging includes oh by the way these guys over here they do a great job at hosting these guys over here do a great job at development these guys over here do a great job at design some of that audience that came in for your software is going to need design or hosting or development or whatever you know or legal or accounting or recruitment or whatever those services might be um, but you don't have to pay those commissions. you don't pay your
0: piece of that commission out to that referrer. am I making sense at all? Yeah, no t- definitely you do you are. How does the um, how does your strategy change when you go a, cr- a client comes to you and they want to sell is the same sort of, you go in and you say, okay, how can we 10x? Or how does how does your mission change when someone comes to you and they say, listen, I'm getting ready to sell. I want to sell in the yeah. next 12 months. How can you increase the valuation of my company? What are the first things that you do? Yeah. So
1: first, we're going to manage some expectations, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to sell in the next 12 months it doesn't leave us a lot of time to get you ready okay. for maximum valuation right? what, what's, so
0: what's an ideal so what's, what's an ideal like if i'm getting ready to sell or some somebody's thinking sure. about selling what three months three years is sort of a better time frame or, or what do you think
1: the answer is it's it's this saying the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago okay. the next best time is today yeah. right yeah. like the time's going to pass so if you wanted to sell in three months it's still better that you start today However, from the inception of your business, here's what one of my mentors told me is that we all exit our business. Either the business uh-huh. fails, we die, there's a transition, we sell, like exit yeah. isn't always a liquidity event. Like, so, right. so understand from day one, you should be thinking about an, an exit plan, right? Okay. Maybe I want to keep my business forever. At some point, my kids will take over or the industry will change or whatever. So now is when you want to start. But best planning case scenario, for an
0: exit, so you can even be thinking about it in ten years' time. Is what you're is what you're saying. Even if but you're here's not thinking was, about exit, you should be planning for it.
1: And he, here, here I'll submit this: that the steps that you take to prepare for an exit, what they do is they create a more viable business, right? Okay. So whether or not you plan on selling tomorrow or ten years from now, by doing these things, your business is better, mm-hmm. right? Here's what investors if you want to if your business is risky investors are going to pay you a lot less for that business Mm -hmm. if your business is stable and it shows a a a history of growth and it's it's a okay perfect example businesses run on eos tend to sell at the highest multiples in their industries because an investor can look at this and go oh wow there's there's little risk here there's a clear plan there's a, a there's operating protocols in place." It's not a key man environment with a dancing bear to where if, if Jordy wants to go surfing for six months, the business suffers, right? Like investors are looking for those things. So whether it's EOS or not, have an operating system, have a well-defined protocol for operating your business because that, Mm -hmm. if no investor ever knocks on your door, guess what? Your business is making more money, easier to run and more enjoyable for everybody involved because nobody's fighting fires, right? So yeah but that type of business sells for more i would start looking at that this process of evaluating your marketing and sale where are we leaving money on the table and i again that whole battery of questions i run you through it's like okay you need to know your numbers particularly on marketing and sales what does it cost me to get somebody to land on my page okay how many of those people take that action whether that action is call in whether that action is watch the video buy the product opt-in to my newsletter okay from those people of those people, how many take the next action? Okay. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start looking at how do I get more people to take that first action? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, what well, conversion rate optimization, essentially. How, but if you don't know your numbers, you that which is measured improves, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you don't know what your, your opt-in rate is, you can't start to test things. Well, what if we what if we change the headline? What if we change the color and Those are some basic things. What if we add a video instead of just a, you know, long form copy? If you're not testing those things, you're not going to improve. But that's another area where I would start to tweak and test. It's not going to necessarily be some key hire that you make. It's not necessarily going to be, you don't even have to be that innovative. You just have to have a better marketing and sales machine than somebody who's extremely innovative. Because, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who have fantastic products, but they don't know how to market and sell. And I look at their businesses because I've advised at this point probably 2,000 entrepreneurs on their M and A strategy, mm-hmm. and they some of them have great stuff. And I was thinking, dude, if that would have been in my hands for the past 12 months, we would have ten xed or, or not to be cliche, yeah. but it would. They just don't. They're they're missing out on the marketing and sales. Yeah. That's where. Yeah. That's where the heavy heavy hammers are. Okay. So oh, those would great. be things that I. Okay. Your books need to be clean. You need to have. Uh, Here's what I can tell you. If you operate a business and you're the owner-operator, you're gonna get X. If you have professional management in your business, you're gonna get X plus. If your business is, if you've taken that business from seven figures to eight figures, once you get into that strata, it's X plus. plus. So the bigger the enterprise, the there's a number of things that entrepreneur or investors are gonna see. One, higher likelihood of success because they can weather storms for longer because they've got more, they've got better banking relationships they've got professional management they've got a longer track record or whatever and one of the conversations i had recently with one of the top m&a firms in silicon valley they, they introduced two concepts to me one mrr is worse than arr why arr one chance for churn really per year mrr 12 chances for churn per year whether that's credit card expired they didn't update it or whatever constant reminders of getting dinged on the card so look at that And secondly… Meaning convert
0: from a monthly to an annual. Is that what you're saying? In their minds, when
1: they're valuing companies, that's more attractive because fewer churn opportunities. And bigger chunks of money coming in on renewals. Right? That makes sense. And, well, Chris, my my business thrives. My my clients can't pay annual. We'll give them an option. And most companies do at this point. They have a discount for annual or whatever. That's right. The second thing is that these guys that are buying, guys and gals who are buying companies, if it's just you're selling to another small business, it's different. Those who are deploying large amounts of capital, they don't necessarily care as much about your revenues as they care about growth opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. Growth, Growth is predictable when you have the operating system, when you have professional management, when you have a culture of, optimization and split testing and those sorts of things. Those are all characteristics of a company that is poised for growth or will continue to grow. So, those two things like think about, you know, are we a growth organization? Are we growth focused? Are we and it doesn't have to be again the brute force thing. Do we have a, are we following a plan for growth, right? It's not just are we are we working more hours than the other startup, than the other SaaS. That's not the key to right? That makes sense. That's not what the investors are excited about. They're excited yeah. about, do you have a big boy or big girl
0: plan in place for your business to grow? So yeah. okay, those
1: would be high-level things that I'd
0: do. Okay, Chris, I want to thank you so much for your time. We're getting close to the top of the hour that we agreed okay. to speak, so I really appreciate your time. Anything that you can leave our listeners with before you leave the show?
1: Two things. There's a bit of advice that have has been has been fed back to me from entrepreneurs that I've mentored over the years. And one of them, it's it's corny, right? Mm-hmm. But it's watching the language that you use. And in particular, Yoda said it. There is no try. There's only do. Yeah. Start paying bad. attention to when you're saying, well, we're going to try to do this this year. We're going to try to hit 100 million. We're going to try to hit a million. What happens if you just stop saying try? We're going to hit. Uh-huh. It becomes this like uh, internal commitment. It's crazy. Right it's simple but just this weekend when i was speaking in orlando three entrepreneurs came and said when you told me to stop trying and start doing that was a a pivotal moment in my business so that's something simple but second pay attention to the questions the the that's running through your head the questions that you are asking yourself and say is that the best question it's not like how do i make sure that we pay rent this this month on the offices how do we like that what your brain will give you that answer well, we just sell basically just enough to pay rent. Better question: How do we ten x? How do yeah. we become top of our industry? How do we allow, how do we get bought tomorrow for, you know, the highest multiple? Like, ask those questions, and you will come up with an answer. If you don't ask those questions, those those answers don't come up.
0: Yeah. So, head That's stuff. Great really. advice. Cool man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you Good so much, everybody. Chris. Great advice. My Pleasure. And also, how can they reach you? Chris dot yeah. com. Is that is that? ChrisDagle.com d-a-i-g-l-e
1: okay. my my everybody in the industry calls me dr daigle uh, d-o-c-t-o-r uh, facebook uh, linkedin go to dr daigle okay. you'll see okay me. perfect happy okay. to connect
0: all right great thanks so much chris you guys. thanks for listening to the big break software podcast with your host jordy wardman Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner.